Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. I want to talk to you today about living big. So my introduction isn't entirely by accident. I want to stretch your thinking. And uh, you, often money is the area that most people uh, are most restricted in. Uh, and it's because of our thinking, not necessarily our capability. So I want to stretch your thinking today. I want to try and help you live in a zone where God wants you to live. God is not a stingy God. He's not a small God. He's a big God. He says in Ephesians 3.20, it's just coming on the screen, he says, you, uh, he, he will do immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. How about that? Immeasurably more than you could ever imagine or ask according to the power that is at work in him because he wants to bring glory to Christ in his church. How about that? He wants his glory manifest in this place. What? By small thinking? No, but by big thinking. Uh, he wants us to be big people, living big lives with big attitudes, doing big, uh, going on big adventures. Now, big, of course, is relative. Uh, we're not all, all going to be presidents of a country or presidents of an organization, and neither do we need to be. Uh, big is about living a significant life of influence in the circle that God places you in. And that circle will enlarge and increase over time because that's the nature of God. He does immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think. And yet, I don't know about you, we still live with uh, un, uh, unrealized desires, uh, unrealized dreams. Uh, we hit walls of insecurity and uh, we live, hit walls of, of intimidation or the fear of failure. Uh, or for many, maybe the fear of success. It's sort of the uh, two sides of the same coin. It all comes down to the fact that we doubt who we are. And therefore, we fear that we're going to fail in it. Or we doubt who we are, therefore we feel like we won't cope with it if we succeed. And yet, if anyone should, succeed, if anyone should know how to handle success, it should be people who know Christ because he's the author of success. Jesus wants you to be successful. Jesus wants you to be fruitful. Okay, that was the Bible word. Can you imagine Jesus saying, Go and sow seed because I want it all to die and you to have no crop. No, he said, I want you to go and sow seed. And if you sow it in the right place, you'll see a crop that's a hundredfold. What is that? That's a successful farmer. Uh, he wants you to be successful. He wants your abilities to multiply and increase. He wants your financial capability to multiply and increase so that you can be generous on every occasion. What is enough money? Are you able to meet the need of any person that you were to bump into today? the answer is no, then you don't have enough money. So more is needed in order to you, for you to stretch and be generous to be able to be the answer to this world's problem. That's what Jesus has called us to do, to come and be the answer. Good news is this, he doesn't leave us alone. He, is, he, he gives us his power and his, his realm of thinking. So I'm pretty sure that whilst every one of, here would, every one of us here would say we struggle with disappointment, that dreams haven't been realized in some cases, that we hit walls of fear and insecurity about those big thoughts we have. At the same time, we'd probably all say, yes, I would like to live that bigger life that God has for me. And so I want to help you on that journey. I want 
you to come with me on a journey through the day of a big person. From morning to night, we're going to journey through how a big person lives, what a big person does, and how you can stretch yourself to leave this place feeling bigger than you came. Anybody up for it? Let's start at the start of the day. Psalm 63, verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Early I will seek you. A big person seeks God. What happens when you seek God? When you seek God, the imprint of his nature gets on your soul. It reminds you that the DNA of heaven is flowing through your body. Once you come to Christ, you get born into becoming a big person. You're no longer, unli- you're no longer limited, you're unlimited. You're no longer bound by shame, but you're free. Things that were impossible now, according to Christ, become possible. And so you were born to be a big person. It's just that we don't always realize it until we begin to seek God. And when we begin to seek God, uh, with our hearts, that is, not just with lip service prayer, but we begin to seek Him with our heart, we begin to catch something of His nature, and it's like an imprint set on our hearts. It's like the rhythm of heaven is put into our hearts. Just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, actually, I went for a medical examination uh, for insurance purposes. I'm, I'm all okay. pastor's not going anywhere. Um, very, in fact, just to prove it, they use words like perfect, all good. They said, can you touch your toes? I touched my toes. They said, hardly anybody can do that. I went, not this boy. I said, I practiced for that one. And then, uh, uh, and then they read my age and they went, 50. <laughs> I went out of that place like flying. I was feeling so good. I, feel, I might book another one next week just to... Anytime I'm feeling down, I'm just going to go for a medical examination. And, uh, and, they, and they did an ECG, you know, where they stick all the things over you, measure your heart, and, uh, and then the doctor goes through the printout, and, and whilst your heartbeat is unique to you, nobody else has one like yours, all of our heartbeats, if they're healthy, should follow a certain pattern. And so he's looking for a rhythm, a pattern, on the, on the heart um, printout, and, and, it, and it does just that, it just goes like this, I, I mean... It's not complicated. It just goes up and then down, up and down. <laughs> if it's doing that, you're okay. Uh, and so he's looking at it and going, no, that's good. That's good. When you seek God, something of his heartbeat, something of the rhythm of his heart gets inside your heart. The rhythm of his big nature, his expansive, immeasurably, beyond all you could ever ask or think nature starts to get inside, inside of you. You might come into a moment of praise or or prayer and, and, and seeking Him, feeling weighed down, thinking small, thinking disappointment. But as you get with Him and as you offload that, as you seek Him, so you get a big spirit inside of you. Early. Everyone say early. You seek Him. Say seek Him. Acts 10.9 says this. About noon, the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. 
Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. At noon, everyone say noon, he saw heaven. Everyone say see. The second thing we can do to be big people, to live big, is to see. Your vision will determine your future. What you see will determine your outcome. You cannot wish to go in this direction if your mind is always set on that direction. It's very interesting that in your car, the rear view, the rear view mirror is much, much smaller than the front windscreen. It's designed for you to keep looking forward. It's okay to have an occasional glance in that mirror, but you don't want to be driving looking in the mirror. You're meant to be seeing what's ahead of you. We're, we're made and wired to live for the now, but also for what's ahead of us. I am constantly surprised at what God is doing in this place. I am very surprised at where Lisbon and I have found ourselves. She's preaching in Almira, by the way. In fact, we're baptizing five people right now. Right now. This is awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm regularly surprised at, at all that God is doing on one hand. On the other hand, I'm not at all surprised because it seems like I've seen it before we've seen it. I've seen it before it's happened because you generally will course in the direction of what you see. Your vision is the determining factor of how big your future will be. Now get this, when Peter saw what he saw, it wasn't all easy. In fact, quite the opposite, it confronted his comfort zone. Peter was a Jew, and he was being asked to eat pork. In his culture, his, his, his mindset, that's totally unacceptable. That's unholy. Except now he's challenged because it was the Holy Spirit who was asking him to do what he thought was unholy. He was being completely challenged about his perception, because whether you live big or live small is only a matter of perception. Twelve spies went into the promised land. Ten of them perceived it as impossible. Two said, this is possible. We've got a big future. Same land, same milk, same honey, same promises, but two different perceptions. So living a big life is not about you having a great start to life, being raised in an awesome family. I mean, that can help, of course, or, or, or whatever. Uh, excuses we may have that it's not working for us. We all have a choice of our perception, what it is we see. Peter was choosing one perception. The Holy Spirit chose another until they wrestled it out and the Holy Spirit won. Peter yielded and said, okay, I will get up and eat that pig. What, he was refer what the Holy Spirit was trying to do for him was to say, all the rules that you've known up until now are no longer applicable. This is a new day, a new covenant. What separated people before will no longer separate them. Jew and Gentile will sit together, and I want you to set the trend. At that moment, someone knocked on the door, a Gentile, said, you need to come to our house, talk to us about the Holy Spirit. Peter went because he had that vision. His future, he had already seen it, but there's a wrestle involved. Have you ever had a big thought, dwelt on it for a bit, and then your next immediate thought was a negative one? I, this is impossible. I don't have the skills. I'm intimidated. Uh, I, I'm obviously the wrong person. I, I, if I try, I might fail. What if I failed? If I succeeded, oh my gosh, I'm not sure I could cope. And you have all these thoughts that run through your mind. Peter was feeling just that same deal. And that's not a bad thing. It just indicates we've got a wrestle to do. A wrestle with the spirit of intimidation. 
pull it down. A wrestle with the spirit of fear and pull it down. The wrestle is good. Wrestling can get good outcomes. Our family wrestle all the time over movies. I want to watch one thing. Liz, we want to watch watches another. The kids want to watch another. And we, we, we search. We, we, we've spent a whole night sometimes just looking at trailers. Never watched a movie. But usually that wrestle turns out to a good decision. We end up watching great movies. About a week ago, we did the opposite. We saw a particular movie with a particular famous actor in it, and we thought, bang, we're going to watch that one. It was rubbish. Like, have you ever watched those movies where you go, agenda, agenda, agenda? This was like an eco-warrior agenda all the way through it. And it didn't do it very well because the end twist showed that it was, anyway, I, it was so, so bad. My kids love movies. Ben went to bed halfway through. Jake, who is the movie freak of our family, didn't even see it through. Lisbeth and I were left alone to the end, desperately hoping it would end well, and it only got worse. You see, wrestling some things out do end up with a good outcome. It's okay to feel like you've got to wrestle through something when you dream big. Don't assume that dream is wrong. Don't assume that big thought is wrong just because there's a fight for it. Just because there's a fight of how you feel about yourself. Just because there's a fight about what you think could be achievable. It can be achievable. It's determined by what you see. When I go through Schiphol Airport, I use the iris scanner. When I look into that thing, it lets me through. No passport. What I see and what they see determines an open door. What you see will determine an open door to your future. Big things may not have opened because you haven't seen those big things. You've kept yourself in a comfort zone and not dare to think. Just watch what happens when you dare to dream. God said to Abraham, look up at the stars. See the multitude of those stars. Start to see that that could be the number of your descendants. He had to see the promise before, he could, before it could be real to him. He had to walk on the beach and feel the sand beneath his feet, thinking every one of these could be a descendant. The sand is innumerable. But then it had to go one step further. God then said, I'm going to change your name from Abraham to Abraham. So you begin to speak. Abraham means father of many nations. So you first you see, but then you speak. See, when you begin to speak what you see, it's like you sign a contract on what you're envisioning. Because you can see it, but until you dare to say it, it's still in fantasy land. It's still in dreamland. But the moment you go, I'm going to see that happen. That's going to... Now, you may not go telling anybody else about it. There are many things I declare over my life that I'm not ready to share, but I've seen it. But I now need to make a contract with myself and contract with God. This will come to pass. There is a power in your vision and there's a power in your speech. Everyone say noon. Everyone say see. I want you to see it. Mark 14 says this. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve while they were reclining at the table, eating. He said, truly, I will tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. At, at, uh, when e Everyone say evening. You're helping me with this message. It's good. He, he reclined at the table with the twelve. In the morning, early, seek him. In the noontime, retreat from the heat of the day, spend time seeing. In the evening, make sure you're hanging with the right people. Yeah. You see, your context will determine how big your future is. 
Some research has shown that we become the average of the five people we spend most of our time with. So therefore, if we want to live big, we have to spend some time with people who are bigger than ourselves. Because therein lies the stretch. Our context can determine our future. That's why we want every one of you to be at the Europe gathering. Because you get yourself into a context, not only where you're seeking God, not only where your mind begin to see things as you're in an atmosphere of the presence of God, but you're going to be in a context with others who want to dream big. You're going to be stretched. Lisbon and I bumped into John and Danielle Pierce. John is coming over to speak at the conference. Pastor John is the uh, lead, leader of our global executive team. He's Pastor Phil's right-hand man. Um, and we bumped into them in, in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Literally just like we're Instagramming the fountains outside the Bellagio. And then, and then Lisbon gets a, a, a message from Danielle going, we're in that hotel. <laughs> so we got... We've got to meet up tomorrow morning for breakfast. So uh, we met up with them. John's a big thinker. They're both big thinkers. We, we would not miss the opportunity to get ourselves around a table with them and have another moment with them where our lives could be stretched uh, and maybe hopefully in reverse. But that wasn't my primary motive. My motive was selfish. Come on, let's spend time with them. and Let's, uh, uh, let's increase. You see, the context, the context you're in will stretch your life. Who, who are you hanging around with? What context are you getting into? That's why we love for you to be in church every week. That's why we love for you to get into a group. Get around people of faith. So that when you get into your workplace, you can take a culture of faith. You can, uh, when you get around your neighbors, you're take, taking a culture of big thinking. You'll have people in your world who will marvel at the things you do. You'll have people around your world who will... Don't, don't let that hold you back. If you're thinking, oh... This is what my friends will think if I start doing this or doing this or talking about doing that. Don't let it hold you back. I'm a complete uh, uh, anomaly for my family. I don't know what they think half the time with some of the things I do. Uh, but I cannot let that hold me back. I cannot let the context of my, my upbringing hold me back from the new context I'm going to get into. You're the same. Wh whose world are you getting into? And who can you bless? Who are you stretching? You see, the people in your world right now that you could bring to church, you, a big person, helping them meet a big God. Who, who could you help influence by being in their world because you can offer a, a bigger thinking, something they need? But also, whose world could you be in? You know, when I get around Pastor Phil Pringle, um, the, the leader of our movement, uh, I end up talking about thousands, and he ends up talking about tens of thousands. It's just how it goes. You know, I'm like, you try and you talk in a, in a certain realm, and then he's talking in an even bigger realm because he's wanting to stretch you. I've sat in a church service with him in another church, and he's gone, Steve, you see the way they do that? Meaning, Steve, do you see the way that you don't do that in your church? That might be a good thing to do. You know, he, he's always trying to stretch, and I appreciate that. I appreciate being Pastor Simon McIntyre hosting this conference. He, he does the same to me. Uh, I remember once asking for some feedback on a message I preached in his church. And um, he, he uh, it was mainly all amazing, of course. But he, he, he highlighted this one thing uh, that I knew was a habit of mine. And, and he, he, he said, look, just work on this. Really helpful. It stretches me. 
many, many years ago. About 10 years ago, Lisbon and I were working through our financial future and looking at uh, investments and how we can uh, be okay on into the future because in pioneering church and so on, you don't have the luxury of somebody else investing in a pension fund for you. And so I went to a, I went to a property investor uh, with the thought of what if we could buy one, uh, one property investment, uh, buy a, a second home. And uh, so I started talking to him about that. And while I'm talking to him, he says, you need to be aiming at 10. I'm like, 10 houses. What are you talking about? And so he helped us start the journey. We don't have 10 yet, but we started the journey. We would have never started if we didn't allow ourselves to get into the presence of someone who could think bigger than us in this area of our lives. What are you needing in your life right now? Who could you get into the world of? Who are you hanging with? Who's speaking big into your life, projecting big into your future? It says, evening, friends. Evening in the, Jewish, in the Jewish day was also the start of the day. If you heard Pastor John from Keldy on Monday night, he talked about that. Evening was the start of their day. Evening and morning, the first day. It was the, it was the, it was the moment of new starts. What do you need to start right now? What do you need to do right now? What new thing have you been holding back from that could trigger a future for you? I'm going to ask the band to come. Thanks, guys, as we draw this to a close. And that is why we're doing West. That is why we're starting a location in West next Sunday night. Oh, my gosh. Because as a church, we need to keep doing new things. We need to keep seeing that there are new horizons. We need to keep increasing the context of what we're doing in church to expand and, and stretch out. And we're not waiting until we're absolutely ready. Don't ever wait until you're perfectly ready. Don't ever wait until you feel like you've got enough experience. Don't ever wait until you feel like you're trained enough or qualified enough. L allow your life to live one step ahead of that, that, um, uh, that curve. Live one step ahead. Because if you're living on the curve, somebody else is going to be ahead of you. And you won't get that job. You won't get that big future. Because there's always somebody else out there daring to try it anyway. Daring to go for it anyway. They're not quite ready. Look at the 12 that Jesus chose. He chose fishermen. He didn't choose people who have been through Bible college. He chose tax collectors. He didn't choose people who are culturally acceptable. He chose a religious Pharisee. He didn't choose people people loved. He chose, the, he chose the people who represent all of us. The people who weren't yet quite ready. The people who weren't yet quite perfected. The people who didn't have the experience. The surprises of the community. If you were to go back to my village I grew up in and talk to some of the people who are still living there 50 years later and told them about my life, I'd be the surprise of the community. I'm the surprise of my own life. I mean, be the surprise in your world by daring to step out and do something new. We're going to do West and we're going to change this city. We're going to do West and we're going to have another location on our hands because we've dared to seek God, think big, get into the right context, take new steps. I'm going to finish with this. Early noon, evening, Acts 16, 25. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. 
at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Everyone say midnight. Everyone say suddenly. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for the lights to be turned on, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? At midnight, there's a suddenly. Because you can seek God. You can think big. You can see big. You can get in the right context, but there's still the immeasurably, abundantly, above all you could imagine that only God can do. There is a moment where God wants to break into your world. There's a moment where He's going to surprise you and do something that changes the course of your future. There's a moment where He needs to step in and amplify what it is that you've been doing. There's a moment at midnight where you feel chained and restricted. But God's going to break those chains. There's a moment coming. For Lisbon and I, there was a moment where we could hardly have kids. There was, we had med a medical challenge that meant it was uncertain whether we could have kids. And so we did just this. We sought God. We, we saw our future as a family. And, and we got into a circle of friends who could support us and speak big into our world. But there came a moment two and a half years later where God had to break in and do something that healed and, and changed the course of our future. Maybe you're here today and you're at that point where you're seeking God, where you're already dreaming big. You're in a great circle that's challenging you, but you're just waiting for God to do what He needs to do to break into your world and do His thing. And that could happen this morning, this afternoon, this evening, or at midnight tonight. I want us to stand to our feet. Because in just a moment, we're going to call on Him. But look, please. Let me just share a little warning with you that I felt the Holy Spirit showed me as I was reading this passage. The jailer was about to kill himself because of his perception of the situation. He hadn't turned on the lights. He hadn't checked whether the prisoners were there. He perceived that they had gone and therefore he had to do the decent thing in that culture to end it all. Until Paul cries out and says, don't do it, don't harm yourself. And then he goes, hey, switch on the light, somebody. Let's check this out. He saw from perception of his little world of fear. If only he had stopped taking a hold of that gone let's switch on the lights we need to check this thing out he would have known everything was all right the only difference between your small future and your big future is your perception will you perceive one that is as big as god is dreaming for you or are you going to let those things the intimidation the you're a failure. You're going to let it hold you back or are you going to begin to take steps? I want us all to begin to call out on God right now. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to seek Him. If you've never been in, a, in, a, in an environment like this before and, and prayed aloud, 
just enjoy the moment. Just allow your mind to perhaps close your eyes and think about the fact that God wants a good life for you. So Lord, we stir our hearts today. We call on your name. Jesus, we thank you that today we can think big. Let's raise a little longer. Let's rise a little further in prayer. Let's call on the name of Jesus. Seek Him with all our hearts because the imprint of heaven is going to be placed on your soul right now. Thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now, and I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then, straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past, and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer, today the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.